Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Hey, let's meet up in Colossians chapter 1. And if you don't know where Colossians is, because God is sovereign and he knows we need help in all ways, he inspired men to put a table of contents in the very front of your Bible. So no shame, no hurt pride in using that if you need to as a reference to find your way there. Colossians in the New Testament. We're going to focus in on a specific passage in chapter 1. i got to ask you guys, are you ready to drink from the well of the Word of God tonight? Wow. Six or seven people. Are you ready to drink from the Word tonight? Hallelujah. My goodness, I'm praying that God would quench dry and thirsty souls in these moments through His Word. Turn to the person beside you and tell them there's no one like Jesus. There is no one like Jesus. Jesus, I'm telling y'all, I'm becoming more and more undone by the reality of who Jesus is. His love for us, his grace towards us, his mercy over us. He has changed my life. He is changing my life, and there really is nothing to compare to him. And I know the Apostle Paul would agree, and he even accentuates the point that there is none like Jesus in Colossians chapter 1, Verse 15, he says this to this group of believers. He is the image of the invisible God. Speaking of Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. There's a unique element to this particular passage that we just read, and that it contains a word that we only find in one place throughout the whole of Scripture. That word is preeminent. Or your version might say supremacy, or that he might be first place. It's the only time in Scripture that we find this occurrence of that particular word. So that word preeminent, what does it mean? Well, quite simply, it means to hold superiority. It means to be above all other things, to hold the top spot. And as Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pins these words down, that's exactly what is being said, that Jesus is superior, that he he is above all other things, that he holds the top spot, that he is Preeminent, but I got to ask a question. Is he preeminent? Jesus Christ is preeminent, but is he preeminent? Is Jesus preeminent in our lives? Does he hold superiority in our lives? Does Christ hold the top spot, the throne of your heart? Is he preeminent in your life? And so in that context, I want to speak from the subject tonight of superior or secondary. I take my summer each year, and I begin to ask God what it is that he would have us to focus on as you guys come back for another year together. Ask him to give us a specific focus, a specific phrase, a principle, a discipline, Whatever, an anthem that we can carry through another year that he calls us to. And last year, for those of you that were here, if you can remember, we talked about living surrendered. We dedicated that entire year to understanding and living out a fully surrendered life 
unto God. And we saw what I believe to be surrender in this place amongst our people on a level that we've never seen it before. And so as we began praying and asking God, okay, give me direction for this year. It's a new year. We need new bread. It's a new season of life. So give us something fresh, God. What is it that we need? What is it that you want us to focus on specifically? And time and time again, he kept setting my heart on his preeminence. And so I have to tell you guys that before I ever get to this moment, before we ever make it here, before I ever stand on this stage and give you what God has given to me, he has to work it into my life first. And so this journey for me began about the time that you guys left. Towards the end of May, God began setting my heart upon understanding in a fuller and greater way what it meant for him to be preeminent in all things, specifically in my own life. And I couldn't shake loose for it, and I began studying and digging and studying and digging and studying and digging, and the more he began to pour specific things into my life, the more it began to be evident that that's exactly what he wanted me to pass on to you guys as we start a brand new year. I want us to carry the anthem of what it looks like to be a group of people, believers, saints, who live as Christ holding preeminence over all areas of their life. Not just some, but all areas. So this is what I know that he's calling us to as we start a new year together. Jesus being preeminent, superior in all ways, because there's no middle ground. He's either superior or he is secondary. There's no in-between. Jesus is an all-in kind of God. And we're either all-in or we're not in. There is no half-in. And those of us that try to be half-in, Jesus says you're the worst kind. You're lukewarm. Makes me want to vomit. I'd rather you be hot or cold. But specifically, hot. Right? So we're going to dive into that tonight because I don't know about you. I want Jesus to hold preeminence over all my life. And thankfully, Paul is here to give us some insight and help on how to live in that light. So here's what I want you to do. The first thing I want to do is I want to show you the reality. And the reality is this, Jesus over everything. Paul is going to tune us in to the fact that Jesus is indeed preeminent. Jesus is indeed superior. Jesus is above all other things. It's an indisputed fact of who he is. But before he just directly states that, because we had to get all the way down to the bottom of verse 18 to find that word where Paul declares that Jesus Christ is preeminent. Before he just directly states that, he sets it up by showing in what ways that really is true. So he begins by showing us this. First and foremost, Jesus is preeminent over creation. So if you go back and look in verse 15, it says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, understand what Paul is saying here. It's not that Jesus has an origin. It's not that Jesus himself had a beginning. When, when God sent the Son to be born of the Virgin Mary on this earth, that wasn't Jesus' beginning. Jesus doesn't have a birthday like me and you have a birthday physically on this earth because he has always been. He has forever existed with the Father. You can see him in Genesis 1 at the beginning. You can see the Father, you can see the Son, you can see the Holy Spirit all there at the beginning. Jesus has eternally always existed. So as Paul says he's the firstborn of all creation, it doesn't mean that, that he has an origin. Paul means it in this sense that a firstborn is given specific ruling rights in a family. Especially in those times culturally, the firstborn was the one who would receive the inheritance from his father. And so Paul speaks of Jesus in that way, that, that Christ received ruling right from his father, and by him, 
All things are then created because he goes on from there to say just that. He is the firstborn of all creation. And then by him, all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things were created by him. All things means, guess what? All things. Everything came into existence by and through Christ. Heavenly and earthly. Plants. Stars, moons, angels, mountains, oceans, streams, rivers, grasses, trees, flowers, fishes, animals, birds, people, all things were created by him. He brought it all together. And then guess what? He holds it all together. Super thankful that he holds it all together. Just be reminded of that. Because a lot of times in our world, it seems like everything's falling apart. But God is still sovereign. Christ is still in control of his creation. He is still holding things all together. Nothing is happening that he hasn't already ordained and planned to happen. So you guys can take great comfort of that in your own personal lives as well. Uh, college can be a very terrifying time. It can be a very confusing time. If I were to take a quick sample survey of how many in here knew exactly what you were going to do with your life once you graduated, the vast majority of you would still be just as lost as when you walked on the campus the first day. It can be confusing. I don't know what's going to happen. Listen, if you will step by step follow Christ in obedience, he's got it all together. He's got it taken care of. All you got to do is follow him. All you got to do is remain obedient to him. He, he holds all things Together, creation bows in submission and testifies to the preeminence of its creator. All of creation does. So Paul shows us that Jesus is preeminent over creation. He also shows us that Jesus is preeminent over the church. So as he moves on down, he says that he is the head of the body. So Paul shows us that Jesus is the head of his church. He is to be above all as seen by us, his church, his bride. Now, let me state that again. Within Christ's body, within his house, it is our duty and obligation to see him as being above all other things that we do. That's why here in this place, I can assure you of one thing. In this house, we will always only exalt one name, and that's Christ. Everything that we do in this place is going to be unto him. It's not an optional. There is no other choice. We fall underneath the headship of Jesus Christ. This is his church. And if he tells us to sing, we'll sing. If he tells us to preach, we'll preach. If he tells us to fall down and be quiet in his presence, we'll fall down and be quiet in his presence. So if you want to plug into this church, just be assured of one thing. We follow the authority of Christ. Everything's going to be about him. Because he's the only one worthy of praise. He's the only one worthy of glory. He's the only one worthy of honor. We're not going to make it about a production. We're not going to make it about a show. Jesus needs no production or performance. He's his own show. And we will lift him high in this place. We will protect his honor within his house at all costs. We will stand firmly upon his word. He is the head of this body. And the reason why we will see lives change, the reason why we will see people be transformed is because we follow underneath his leadership. Jesus is preeminent over his church. He holds superiority. He is the top dog in his house. Jesus is also preeminent over death. As Paul goes on, he says that he is 
the firstborn from the dead. When Jesus rose from death after his crucifixion, he showed even death who was superior. You know, nothing seems more final and nothing seems more powerful than death when you get to thinking about it. It's unavoidable. We're all destined to do it unless Christ returns in our lifetime. Every single one of us will meet our last breath and we will die and our life will cease to exist any longer physically on this earth. Nothing seems more final, nothing seems more powerful than death itself, yet Jesus shows that even it falls under his superiority. Amen. I mean, my goodness, what better news can you get than that than to know that by placing your faith and trust in him that even the most final of things bows in submission to Christ's word and will and power. Superior over death. They nailed him to the cross, they put him in the tomb, and they thought, that's it. No more Jesus, he's done. All this teaching, all this healing, all this miracle, all this blaspheming, claiming he's God is over and done with. We're going to roll that stone over there and we're not going to hear from him anymore. He's going to go back to bones. And then Jesus, on the third day, walked up to the stone and said, I'm back. Superior over death. It don't get no more powerful than that. Jesus holds preeminent. Paul says in everything he is preeminent. It really is Jesus over everything. None can compare. None can compete. None can eclipse. None can usurp. His beauty is incomparable. His holiness unmatched. His power unequal. His wisdom unattainable. His glory undefinable. His justice incorruptible. He is preeminent, superior in all ways and over all things. There's no one like Jesus. No one. Paul is saying this is the reality of the matter. Regardless of what we want to think or believe, Jesus is him. It doesn't matter what we want to believe. It doesn't matter what we want to think. It only matters what is absolutely true, and that is the fact that Jesus is above all. But there's a trap. There's a trap that the enemy in our flesh has laid out surrounding this specific thing. So I want to show you the trap. And this trap is something that I've called personalized preeminence. Our lives are filled with everyday choices. We face choices of all sorts and different sizes and shapes and forms each and every day that we walk through life. And more times than not, we make our choice based on what we consider to be best out of the available options that are provided. So I've got some personal picks I've got some personal picks that I want to show you guys of things that if I'm given the option, this is what I'm going to choose. So if you give me the option between Mexican and Italian, Mexican's greater every single time. Taking that 10 out of 10, given the option. I know some of y'all disagree. Hey, don't read ahead of my list because it's going to get real controversial here by the end. <laughs> Toyota is greater than Ford. And don't debate me on it. It's just the fact of the matter. If I had the chance to see a sunrise or a sunset, I'm going to take the sunrise. I feel like for most of y'all at this age in your life, you're like, no chance. I hadn't seen a sunrise since I was born. <laughs> fall is greater than spring. You can't beat fall. Fall is the, fall is the goat of seasons. College football 
hey, I'm an outdoorsman. We get to start hunting. Fishing gets better. The weather feels better. All you people be liking summer up in here. I'm sorry, I might have just spit all over you. All you people be liking summer up in here, like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for summer to get here. And then the heat index is like 112, and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. And I'm like, no, no, you don't get to complain about that because you wanted summer to be here. Yeah, but I don't like it when it's this hot. But this is summer where we live. It's this hot where we live. Anyway, fall is greater than spring. I'll take a Yeti over a Stanley Cup any day. I'm thinking to make sure somebody's not going to like throw one at me. So I'll take a Yeti any day. I'll take PlayStation over Xbox. But it really doesn't matter. I'm kind of irrelevant in that category anyway because my last PlayStation was a two. <laughs> but it was better than, so I'm sticking with it. I'll take Lord of the Rings. I'll take Lord of the Rings over Star Wars any day. Any day. Hey, Lord of the Rings is biblical. I'll take Mountain Dew over Dr. Pepper. Oh, y'all serious? Oh, my goodness. I'll take Michael Jordan over LeBron any day. Let's go. <laughs> Give me 23. The real one. We all have our personalized picks, right? And they'll reflect what we believe to be superior, what we believe to be the best. But what has been revealed to me lately is that we do this with Jesus as well. We'll personalize his preeminence over our lives. So I want to show you some preeminence picks. Each and every one of us face things that we're a part of that have an activity in our lives. Some of these may apply to you. Some of them may not. But each and every one of us has got to choose. Is Jesus going to be superior to or secondary my academic pursuits? Each and every one of us makes a choice for you athletes in the room, even if you're a former one like me, who still think you're an athlete at heart, it's fine. Each of us makes a decision whether or not Jesus is going to be superior to or secondary our athletic pursuits, the things we desire to achieve, the accolades we want to garner for ourselves. Each and every one of us makes a choice whether Jesus is going to be superior to or secondary to our jobs to the extra shifts that we pick up to make a little extra money. Each and every one of us makes a choice on whether or not Jesus is going to be superior to or secondary to the relationships that we have in this life. Whether it be a dating relationship, whether it be just friendships that we have with other people, we're faced with a daily choice of where Jesus is going to fall in the midst of those relationships. The same way with status and the things that we pursue, the, the reputation we seek to gain, the character that we kind of build, is Jesus going to be superior or secondary to our pursuit of that? Same way with family. Is Jesus going to come above our family, or is he going to fall underneath them? 
In the same way with comfort. Is Jesus going to be superior to or secondary the comforts that we desire to keep in our lives? Or are we willing to take up everything to follow him? Or would we rather hold on to it? And see, here's the thing. Like, I'm not trying to jump on y'all too hard as we start the semester. I'm not trying to leave bruises on the first night. So hear me say this, is that none of these things are particularly bad. There's nothing wrong with bettering yourself academically or athletically. There's nothing wrong with seeking a good job and a career for yourself. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies that you want to enjoy, relationships that you want to entertain. There's nothing wrong with status or family or having some particular comforts, but they should not be superior to Christ. We should not sacrifice his preeminence for these things to hold preeminence in our lives. So often we personalize his preeminence in our lives, and this is where we get trapped. Now hear me say this, too, at the same time. It's a choice that we make. We don't bestow upon or bequeath to Jesus preeminence. As Paul has shown us, he is preeminent. He is above all. But we do choose whether we will live with him holding preeminence in our lives or not. Every single one of us could probably look at the list that I just show you and realize that there have been times in our life that Jesus was indeed secondary to some of those things. That's us forfeiting his preeminence in our lives. Jesus isn't saying that you can't have those things or that you can't pursue those things, that those things can't be a part of your life. He says, just make sure that as you walk into those things, I still hold preeminence over them. I still hold the top spot even while you're at school. Pursue your academics. Go make the best grades that you can. But don't let that become a, a really, really bad idol. The same thing with anything else that you find on the list. Pursue those things. Go after all those things. But keep them underneath the lordship of Jesus in your life. Are we living as if we truly know and believe Jesus to be better than all things? If people who are lost and without Christ were to look at and examine our lives, would they be able to see and know that Jesus holds preeminence in us? Because it should be showing. It should be exhibiting itself from the inside out. Or do we go back and forth, moving him in and out of the top spot? Because that's me. I'm going to be honest. A lot of you are new here. Our people have heard me say this plenty of times. Don't put me on a platform. Don't set me on a pedestal. I'm a human just like the rest of you guys are. I do my best day in and day out to honor God with my life. But there are things that I move above him all the time. Christ does not always hold preeminence in my life. That's the reason why I think back in May he started working on my heart, showing me those specific things. So that I could begin to work on those things. I could really begin to understand what it looked like to, to live a life that holds him in preeminence over all things. So that I could share that with you guys because that's his desire for your life. For him to be superior, not secondary to the temporal, worldly, secular things that are a part of our lives while we're here 
on this earth. So do we hold him in preeminence or do we go back and forth, moving him in and out of the top spot? I think the Colossians were a little back and forth with Jesus. I think that's one of the reasons why Paul is writing this letter to them and including this particular part because I think they they had a little back and forth in them. I think they were a little shifty. Because listen to how Paul ends this portion of his letter to them concerning Jesus' preeminence in their life. If you go back and, and pick up in verse 19, he says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, key moment, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul reminds these people of what Jesus has done on their behalf. Paul says, in case y'all forgot, in case it has slipped your mind because you keep shifting back and forth from preeminence being held with Christ to preeminence being held in other things in your life, let me just remind you that he went to the cross so that you could be reconciled to him. Even though you were once alienated, even though you were once cut off, even though you were once hostile in your mind, participating in all kinds of evil things, Christ died so that you could be made holy and blameless and above reproach by his blood. Now, is it not a good thing for us to be reminded from time and time again what Christ has done for us? I think if we, if we keep it on the forefront of our minds who we once were, we might would be less tempted to chase after the things we once did in light of seeing who Jesus has now made us be. And so Paul reminds them. He says, do you guys remember who you were? Remember what your life was before Christ entered in and radically changed and transformed? You were alienated. You didn't know God and you weren't known by God. You were hostile in your mind and your thinking. You didn't want to have anything to do with the things of God. You were participating in all kinds of evil deeds, doing whatever it is that you wanted to do on your own. But even in the midst of that, Christ died so that you could be made holy and that you could be made blameless and that you could be shown to be above reproach by His blood as it washes over your life. So he says, continue in your faith. Be steadfast. Stop shifting from this hope that you have in Christ. That's the challenge that Paul's giving to these people. Stop shifting. Stop shifting back and forth. Stop moving back and forth from one to the other. Stop saying on one day that Christ is going to preeminent in all my life and then shifting back over to a former way of living that you once knew. Stop moving back and forth between the other. Stop having one foot on one side and one foot on the other. Jesus is an all-in kind of deal. Get all in on him. And the challenge is the same to us who have by faith given our lives to Jesus. It's kind of funny when I was making those choice lists, that we looked at earlier, each time that I wanted to place a greater than or a less than symbol 
I had to hit shift. And I think some of us, myself included, we need to get off the shift button. We need to get off the shift button and going back and forth with either having Jesus be superior or secondary to all things in our lives. Stop shifting. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews, which is for the most part unknown, we're not exactly sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, I have my opinions. I think it was Paul. I think it's the same guy who wrote the letter that we were just reading from. But at any rate, the writer says this at the beginning of the book. He says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. Sound familiar to where we just were? This is why I think it's probably the same guy. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Think about that. Our our God is so powerful. Our, our Savior, our Christ is so powerful. He holds the universe together by just simply saying, stay. After making purification for sins, thank God he made purification for sins. Anybody had their sins washed clean by the blood of Jesus tonight and you're thankful for it? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And the writer of Hebrews would go on from there to show all the ways in which Jesus is superior to all. He would go on to show us that Jesus is a better high priest, that Jesus is the one who brought in for us a better covenant that would lead to a better life through his better sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Jesus is better. Jesus, men and women, is better. And I don't care what this world wants to tell you that will bring you fulfillment or satisfaction. It's all lies and deception. It's the work of an evil enemy, an adversary that we have who despises your soul and laughs at the fact of keeping you lost in darkness and in deception. Jesus says, I, I've come because you're thirsty you keep trying all these different things and you have to keep going back because they never satisfy. I've come because you're thirsty and you can take a drink of my eternal living water and you'll never thirst again. He's better. He's better than anything you could ever experience in this life. 
I'm going to finish with this because here's the challenge. We're going to get back the challenge. Stop shifting. Stop shifting. Christ is going to be preeminent over all our lives and all our ways. When Elijah was having a showdown with the prophets of Baal in the book of Kings, you may be familiar with the story. He stands before God's people, not before the prophets of Baal, not before people that were worshiping a false god. He stands before God's people and he says this to what would be today the church. He looks at them because they, 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 they were shifty. God said, but we're shifty then. They couldn't decide, am I going to worship God or am I going to worship Baal? Is God going to be superior or is he going to be secondary to the gods, the false gods of this world? And Elijah stands before the people and he looks at them and he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? Either the Lord is God and serve him or Baal is God and serve him. And I think that's the challenge that's God given to us at the beginning of this year together as he looks down upon heaven and he declares it to us, how long will my church waver between two opinions? Will I be superior in your life? Or will I be secondary?